Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, visit my website at barebonesyoga.com for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all of them, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 143. So I want to start out by thanking all of you new listeners. I log into my Podbean account, which is the platform where my podcast is hosted, even though it's also on iTunes. And I see all these new people that are following. And I really just want to acknowledge you and just say that I see you. I see your little IDs there in Podbean when I log in. And I really, really appreciate the support. We are almost at 50,000 downloads since I started this podcast a little over two years ago. And I'm almost at episode 150. So I just am super psyched that um, I've stuck with it, that people seem to be enjoying it. And uh, again, I always welcome your feedback. So if you're ever looking for a particular topic to be covered, send me a DM on Instagram. That's the best way to get in touch with me. And I'd absolutely love to hear from you. So uh, just a big shout out to all of you out there in the Conversations for Yoga Teachers listening community. Um, the other thing I want to just mention, I know a lot of, a lot of times I'm, re, I'm recording this today on um, August 9th, 2021, and it is a Monday. And I always talk about how I record on Mondays. And last week you probably logged in or tuned in and thought, where's the Monday episode? Um, or maybe when you caught an episode, the next episode, it was out on Thursday or Friday of last week. And um, that was really just a scheduling thing because my guest on the show last week, Jonathan Levitt, um, the timing of when we were both available wasn't Monday. So that was the rationale behind not recording on Monday, but today is Monday. I'm back to my regular schedule. And if you haven't listened to that episode where I interviewed Jonathan Levitt from Inside Tracker, why not go back and listen to that people? It's gotten so much traction and it's totally different than any other episode that I've ever done because it's not about anatomy and not about yoga. Uh, however, it is about health and it is uh, about a lot of different aspects of health and wellness that are super important for any of you out there who are interested in living a long time and doing your best at doing that. You know, I mean, of course, nothing is promised, um, but as much as we can do to improve our health 
uh, I'm a big fan of doing because um, prevention is really the best medicine. And, um, you know, since a lot of what, you know, exists out there in the healthcare system isn't really set up uh, to reinforce preventative measures, it's really there to treat uh, reactively things that happen. It's up to all of us, I believe, as individuals to be responsible, very responsible for our own health if we want to stay healthy as much as we can control those things. So we talk about a lot of that. Inside Tracker, if you've never heard of them, is a company that tracks your biomarkers in a way that your typical annual blood test as part of your physical would never do. And for those of you like me who are taking things like uh, vitamin D and a multivitamin and omega-3s with GLA, you may be wondering, am I dosing this stuff correctly? And it's actually pretty amazing because you have no idea unless you're getting your blood checked, you have absolutely no idea. And because supplements are not regulated by the FDA, you really don't know how much of whatever the active ingredient is how much is in there. So again, you may be listening to this thinking, holy cow, I thought this was conversations for yoga teachers. Did I tune into the wrong podcast? But friends know that, you know, there are going to be times that I stray away from our core topics because it's something that I think is of value to people. And I think it's um, something, or it is something that I'm super passionate about and health is definitely and various aspects of health are definitely one of those things. And John is also an endurance athlete and running is his main passion. And I'm a huge fan of running. I've been a runner for a long time. So there's that as well. So for those of you out there into those different topics, definitely tune in to that episode. So um, for those of you on my VIP mailing list, um, and if you're not on that, well, why the heck not? Just go to my homepage and download any of my free resources and you'll be put on the mailing list because that's the only way I can get it to you is to email it to you. Um, and if you're already on my VIP mailing list, you saw my offer last week to apply to my 90 day accelerated coaching program. This is a new offer that I put out there. And if you didn't apply, I want to know why not, because it's part of my growth as a teacher and a coach. Um, and a teacher educator uh, around anatomy to you know, offer you things that are gonna help you grow. And when I put something out there, if the response isn't um, positive or is sort of lackluster in my mind, I wanna know why that is. So if you got, if you're on my VIP mailing list and, or at least you were last week and you saw my offer to apply and you didn't, I would love to know why. And it's not to be critical. It's just so that I can learn from you. Um, you know, you are a yoga teacher and you are someone that I want to help if you're looking for help. And so, um, you know, I have a pretty good understanding, I think at this point about what yoga teachers pain points are in terms of their growth and development. Um, but sometimes the things that I pull together to offer to teachers miss the mark. And so the more I can know from you, 
where I missed the mark, the better it is. So best way to get me that feedback is just send me a DM on a DM on Instagram. You know, it could be something like, I don't have money right now. I don't have the time right now. I'm not investing in myself until the fall, or I'm not really looking to invest in myself right now in my teaching, whatever it is, or, you know, there was nothing in that program that really excited me, or I'm looking for something different. Any kind of insight you can give me would be super helpful. Um, and then another thing is I'm looking to run a series of short, free workshops on Instagram. I'm really doing a lot of investing in my Instagram right now in terms of just sprucing it up and leveraging that platform um, in different ways. And I've seen and I've participated in some pretty cool trainings on Instagram. And so I'm wondering if that would be something you'd be interested in, just short trainings on anatomy, different anatomical topics. So if you're interested in that, just send me a DM and just give it a thumbs up and acknowledge this conversation and I'll know what you're talking about. And that would be super helpful. So um, I want to talk, before we get into today's main topic, I, I want to talk a little bit about Upward Dog and the anatomy behind it with respect to the core. And the reason that I wanna talk about this is because I had a very extended conversation with one of the teachers in my Blueprint Learning Program, which is my signature program on anatomy um, about upward dog and core musculature. And we were talking about it with respect to cues that ask students to quote, contract the core in up dog. Now, Know this, friends, I am not here to say, say this or don't say that, never say that or don't use that kind of cue. You know, that's not my style. I am, however, here to have intelligent conversations with teachers about the rationale behind um, different cues. And the rationale behind different cues, if we frame it from an anatomical standpoint, is a great place to start because you know, let's face it, regardless of what you focus on when you teach, there needs to be an understanding of the anatomy. It, it really doesn't matter if you're focusing on the energetics or philosophy or restorative is your style or flow is your style or power is your style or hot, whatever it is, you've got to know the anatomy. I, I don't see any way around that. <clears throat> so I think that gives us common ground as teachers, regardless of whomever we're teaching and whatever niche we've chosen for ourselves. So the reason I want to talk about this particular topic is because I know in my own experience of being a student, I've heard teachers refer to the cue or use the cue contract your core when I've been an up dog <clears throat> from this conversation I had with this teacher, she was very convinced that pulling the belly button in was a helpful thing for students to do when they're an upward dog. So because we were on a coaching call, you know, it was obviously on Zoom, she could see me, I was able to demo these things as she was cueing me. And, you know, if we look at it through the anatomical lens, we can start to see why that particular cue um, is potentially going to cause a problematic response from your students even though there might be a valid anatomical reason for it. But that valid anatomical reason is so nuanced that most students are not gonna get it. And see, before I go into the detail, I want you to hear that 
that's really the main point of this whole conversation I'm going to have with you about this particular cue. In my opinion, when you are standing in front of the class and you're teaching, it is not the time for nuance, people. It is the time for you to step up and provide clear, understandable, highly accessible cues that do not require a decoder ring, that do not require Google, that do not require a demo, that they be really clear and able to be implemented by 99% of the people in your class, at least if they're physically able. And so, yeah, you can make an argument. <laughs> I hate to frame it like that, but you can make an argument. You can make a case for the core is used in Updog. However, it's a very nuanced position because when we think about the core in Upward Dog, the most glaring issue with that is Upward Dog is both hip extension and, um, why am I blanking here? Yeah, hip extension. Sorry, I'm just having a, having a moment there. Oh, spinal extension. There you go. Spinal extension and hip extension. So as soon as we start to say contract and we're referring to a muscle that's in the, uh, that's part of the anterior chain, the front of the body, it kind of is a mismatch because the shape we're doing is, is in the opposite direction, right? So if we're in spinal extension and hip extension, the prime mover, the prime movers of that action are muscles in the posterior chain. So we're talking gluteus maximus and hamstrings. The antag those are the agonists. The antagonists to those movements are anterior chain muscles, namely iliacus, iliopsoas, rectus femoris, all your hip flexors. Um, and your other prime mover in terms of spinal extension is the erector spinae, you know, up the chain, but you know, you could make a case for maybe the lumbar erector spinae more than thoracic and cervical. Um, and so that's on a really basic level, friends. That is why if you say to someone in upward dog, contract the core, they're probably going to pull their belly button in and activate rectus uh, abdominis and maybe a little transversus abdominis inadvertently. And that's going to create hip flexion. And, you know, you've probably seen people in updog without a level of comfort just from your view of them. And it's sometimes because they're resisting the hip extension and spinal extension. And so their thighs are kind of lifting away from the floor. Have you ever seen that? And the weight of the posture is now in their arms and shoulders. And you'll see the head of the humerus jut forward and press into the rotator cuff. It just doesn't look comfortable. And sometimes they're not doing it on purpose, but if you tell them to contract the core and up dog, you're probably going to get that reaction. They're going to pull the belly button in and start to lift their thighs away from the mat, which you do not want them to do. Now you can make a case, and this is what she was discussing with me. Well, what about the need to quote, protect the low back in up dog? You know, there's all of this, there's this whole narrative, you know, 
out there. I want to teach safely. I have to protect the SI joint. I, I have to protect the low back. The low back is going to get crunched and all of this stuff that, you know, if you, if you don't understand the basics of anatomy, you're way ahead of yourself being worried about problems coming up when you haven't done the basic building block knowledge that you need to then start to apply it to things like risk factors. So, you know, here's the thing, you know, and again, this is, this is taking you way past, you know, the basic knowledge level, but I'll just kind of dive into this right now, just to kind of address some of those concerns. If you're listening and you have them, if you're, if you're out there right now saying, yeah, yeah. What about protecting the low back? What about not crunching the spine uh, and all of that? So let's kind of just break this down into what we're really talking about. When we say, you know, pressure on the spine or crunching through the low back or anything along those lines, generally what people are referring to knowingly or not is compression on discs or compression on nerves happening as a result of um, the pressure on the discs from the vertebrae. Now, if you think about the lumbar spine and the discs in between the lumbar vertebrae, hello, they're already getting pressure because they're at the base of the spine and we're walking around and there's pressure on them. But to a certain extent, as we extend the spine, um, if there isn't, and this is part of what we were talking about, if there isn't, um, how can I say, kind of consistent spinal extension, there can be, you know, a sort of passive relaxation or passive sitting in the joint. And in this case, I would say sitting in the joints, the facet joints between the uh, vertebrae. And so does that potentially cause some compression on the, on the discs in the lumbar spine? Sure. You know, so what are some things that can aid in that? Well, one thing is to have adequate spinal extension all the way up the kinetic chain from the SI joint all the way up to the atlas and axis of the cervical spine. Um, and in order to get that, you need healthy musculature uh, up and down the spine in the erector spinae muscles. And you need really good, strong glute max. You need a really good, strong glute max bilateral and strong hamstrings working synergistically, you know, collaboratively to create hip extension, because let's face it, you're not going to have spinal extension without hip extension too, at least in this pose. Right. And for many people, the problem is that their glute max is weak because they're sitting a lot. And when you're sitting, your hips are in flexion, glute max is not doing its thing, i.e. hip extension. So it's passively stretching. And then when you try to use it actively, it's like, what? I'm tired. So this is part of the conundrum. This is part of the syndrome. This is part of maybe why people say, oh, it hurts when I come into up dog. So to wrap this conversation up, the best thing to do for those folks right out of the gate is to say, well, don't extend your spine so much. Don't come up so high in your up dog. Do like Cobra or mini Cobra or low Cobra, whatever, you know, variation you want to offer them. Just don't have them straighten their arms and come up all the way. 
decrease the rate or decrease the amount, amount of spinal extension as your first course of action with a, with a person who's complaining about low back pain. The other thing though, that you can do is to strengthen their glute max and how are you going to do that? You're going to have them do a lot of bridge. Um, so that's the point on that. That was kind of a big chunk of conversation. Um, however, I think this is a really common question that teachers have. So I want to hear from you guys. I really, really, I'm asking you, send me a DM. Tell me if you think this is bullshit. Tell me if you think this resonates with you. Tell me if this really answers a question that you had. I really want to hear from you guys. I'm like speaking to the void here. So, you know, fill in the blanks for me. Let me know you heard this. It was like light bulb moment. Maybe it wasn't, whatever it is, send me a DM on Instagram. So today, what I'd like to talk about is teaching goals. And, you know, I started to think about how teachers are doing out there, out there in the world by themselves with very little in the way of guidance um, or mentorship, or even just the opportunity to talk to other teachers. You know, and when this happens, we can get set in our ways and also really lack a sense of direction as to where we are now and where we want to be as a teacher. And, you know, no surprise, that was basically part of my offer in, in last week's opportunity to apply to the coaching program, the, the 90 day coaching program. So it's, it's on my mind, not for a mysterious reason. <laughs> um, and this isn't some backward sales approach. I mean, believe me, I'm not taking any more applications for that. So you can't apply for it anyway. Um, but it's that it is fresh in my mind, this idea of, you know, what are teachers, how are teachers doing out there? And, you know, quite frankly, guys, even before COVID, when we were in and out of studios all the time, teaching and stuff, it was really rare that anybody was getting together with you, right? It's like, how many of you were meeting with a mentor teacher? How many of you were getting any feedback on a regular basis? I don't know. Maybe you were. Send me a DM about that. I can tell you in my experience, very rare. And, um, you know, so that really is problematic because what that means is you're out there teaching and quite honestly, you have really no idea how it's going. You know, unless you're walking around polling your students, which isn't even kind of the best way because there's so much subjectivity in that, right? So, I mean, what really are you then using as parameters? I mean, think of, you know, for all of you, including me who have had years and years of corporate work, we got evaluated every year. There was an evaluation, there was criteria, there were performance criteria that were related to the role we were filling within the organization. You know, I mean, who wants to talk about corporate in re with respect to yoga? Nobody. However, the idea of evaluating yourself as a teacher is a really important one. And I hate to break it to you, but you can't do that. <laughs> you can't evaluate yourself. It really has to be done by somebody else. And, and I hate the word evaluate in this context because that's not what I'm really talking about. I, I'm really talking about the ability to sort of hand off, not even hand off, but to really open the door to healthy conversation around how you're doing and where you want to go as a teacher. And that kind of dynamic cannot be done independently. It just can't. I mean, I can say from my own experience, you're too in the thick of it. You know, if you've ever heard the saying, um, I'm going to mess this up, but it's something to the effect of, you know, you can never solve, here it is, you can never solve a problem 
at the level of thinking that created it. You can never solve a problem at the level of thinking that created it. And you know what that is, right? You know, when you're in that place where you're not making progress and you just find yourself going around and around and around in a circle and it's getting more and more frustrating, that's what that means. And that's why, you know, for so many yoga teachers, they stay stuck because they're out there by themselves trying to approach a problem with the same level of thinking that got them into the problem place. And it's absolutely impossible. So with all of that in mind for today's episode, I'm going to offer you a list of possible goals or targets to shoot for, or even just questions to ask yourself. You know, this would be some of what I, I would ask you if we were working together in a coaching capacity, you know, remember, and I say this from experience, working through my own stuff and growing as a teacher, again, we can never solve a problem at the level of thinking that got us there. That's why it can be so transformative to work with a coach. So the first category of questions, and you know, you can even write these down as I'm saying, saying them. So you might want to grab a pencil and paper or your journal and, and maybe write these down and give it a shot to do your own self-evaluation. Um, if you DM me on Instagram, I can send you the list as well. So the first category is general feelings. How do you feel when you teach? Do you love teaching and you can't wait to get into the studio or do you dread it or something in between? When you're done teaching a class, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Do you worry about what your students think of your classes? Do you worry that your students will ask you questions after class? Do you feel like you're speaking from what you know or do you feel like you're repeating what you were trained to say, but aren't really sure of the reasons why you're saying whatever it is? And then this last one, I absolutely love because it can be so revealing. Do you feel like yourself when you teach? Do you feel like yourself? Do you feel comfortable? I mean, when you think about hanging out with your family or your partner, when you think about Anything you do when you're totally comfortable in your own skin, do you feel like that when you teach, right? So these are all telling questions because they have to do with feelings. And, you know, feelings are a really good way for us to identify when something's off in our teaching because they're, they're the symptom, right? That weird feeling in your gut every time you stand in front of the class, that's the symptom. It's not the problem. It's the symptom of the problem. And the issue is what's the real problem? And that's oftentimes what it's difficult to get to on your own. All you know is the symptom, right? It's like you have the headache, but the real problem is you're dehydrated and you're not really sure of that. So you're like, maybe it's a migraine or maybe it's an allergy or maybe, you know, so the headache is the symptom here. These feelings are the symptom. And, and quite honestly, guys, that's why I often, if you've ever seen any of the offers I've put out to you all, that's why a lot of what I put on the offer invitation page has to do with feelings because I'm looking for, as you're reading it, does that resonate with you? Does that sound like what you're experiencing? And then I lead you to a point where I'm like, okay, I get it. I totally get that. I've been there. I've felt that. Let me tell you how you can change that feeling for the better. And that's where the offer comes into play. So that's just a little of the behind the scenes around, you know, kind of how I 
you know, kind of create opportunities and offers for you. And, and, and many of you over the years have taught me what the feelings are like by sharing with me candidly about your experiences teaching. So I haven't just made this shit up. I've gotten it from, from you. So that all has to do with feelings. All right. So next thing, cueing. What is the format for your cues? What is the framework for your cues? And if you don't know what a framework is, I'm not going to go into it here. I'm not going to go into format. These are questions. And if you don't know, that's a sign, right? And I'm happy to go into that um, further um, with you. Um, but today I'm just going to run through the questions. Do you switch up the cues you use or do you use the same cues from class to class? How do you categorize your cues into types? And when do you use each one? And if you're not sure of types of cues, that's another thing I'm not gonna get into here. I can send you a webinar that goes into that if you're interested. So that all has to do with cueing. Let's face it. It doesn't matter what we're doing in our classes to teach people. Cueing is the main tool we have. Cueing is the main vehicle we have to share the sequences with our students. I hope you're not practicing with your classes, friends. I hope that you're doing quick demos. I hope that the primary thing you're doing is watching your students um, and not practicing with them. Um, so the next category is sequence building. So sequence building, here are some questions on that. How do you build your sequences? How do you select the poses? Oh my goodness. When I work with teachers in my program and I love every single one, I am always amazed at the kinds of poses that they're putting in their sequences. <laughs> poses that from an anatomical standpoint are really freaking hard for people to do. You know, we can have a whole conversation about that. Um, and even the stuff I see on Instagram, I mean, it's just like, who are we teaching? You know? So, I mean, I really want you to think about the poses that you're selecting and believe me, guys, I get really heated about this kind of stuff. Cause I'm so passionate about it. I am not judging. If you love teaching super complex poses and that's your niche, just own it hundred percent, you know, just, there are, I think a lot of caveats that come with that or requirements that come with that. Um, the next question, do you change your sequences on the fly? How much time do you spend prepping for your classes? What resources do you use to prep for your classes? I bet you use YouTube, right? Oh, the internet. <laughs> um, what resources, oh, sorry. Do you have a go-to sequence that you use or is every class kind of, you know, starting from ground zero, brand new. Um, and another one I didn't write down, but I just thought of, do you bring notes into class to keep you on track? You know, like, are you teaching, are you changing up your sequencing so much that you need notes to keep you on track when you teach? Okay, so then the next section is anatomy knowledge. Do you understand the key aspects of anatomy? And if you say yes, how do you know? <laughs> How do you know that you know the key aspects of anatomy? You know, if you were talking to me, the first thing I would say to you is, what are the key aspects of anatomy? So that's a place to start. 
what cues do you use to express the anatomical aspect of poses? Can you give some examples? If you had to go into a class and only teach with anatomy-based cues, could you do it for every pose in a way that's understandable and accessible? When you watch people out of alignment, are you able to adjust your cues in a way specific to what might be happening at an anatomical level so that they can access better alignment? Are you able to answer student questions about anatomy confidently, right? So these are the kinds of things people come up and ask you after class. So those are kind of evaluation questions. So now let's talk about general goals to set, right? And some of these may be goals you have, or maybe you're going to hear these things and think, gee, that sounds like a pretty good goal. <laughs> September's just around the corner, friends. It's a great time to set some goals. Everybody's in that back to school mode. So general goals to set might be around teaching more, making more money, finding more classes, might be around building your anatomy knowledge so that you can bring more anatomy into your teaching. Might be around learning more sequencing, learning new sequencing. Might be learning how to teach a specialty group. Might be around feeling more confident when you teach. Whoa, that's a good one, right? Being better at cueing your students. Being able to build your class sequences around a theme, whether it's an anatomical theme or a philosophical theme grounded in yoga history. How about improving attendance of your classes? You know, so all of those might be general goals to set. And, and let me tell you this as we wrap up here, you know, there's a difference between just signing up for a training program for yoga teachers and hoping you'll learn more. Or maybe you see a, a training program advertised and the topic at hand is something that you think like, oh, that piques my interest. I'm really interested in that. You know, that's one way to invest in yourself. But in my opinion, the best way to do it is to do this kind of self-evaluation. Separate from all that's out there, you take stock of where you're at. You decide where your gaps are. You decide what you want to reach as goals for you. And then you go out and look for a program that's going to meet your needs, right? Rather than the reverse, which is like you're walking into the grocery store and you're not really sure what you're hungry for or what's nutritionally viable, but you just walk into the grocery store and you're like, oh, that looks good. Like, I really feel like that's how a lot of yoga teachers pick programs along with the need in their head that they've got to quote, get hours. So I really encourage you, especially because we have a couple more weeks left of August. September is a great time to get on track with your growth as a teacher from a education perspective. So, so take a look at those questions that I let out and see, um, see what comes up for you. If you're looking for help doing that, I'd be glad to set up a free uh, 60 minute Zoom uh, info call and run through some of that with you. So just DM me, I know, DM me, right? DM me on Instagram and we'll set it up. So thank you so much for your attention and your focus. If you've made it to this part, I'm super psyched. It means that, you know, this resonated with you on some level. And I'm really glad that you stuck with it. 
and I'm really glad that this information um, apparently was helpful. Um, and I really, really appreciate your, your focus and your time. I don't take that for granted. So have a great week and I will speak with you. I was gonna say, I will see you, but I will speak with you on the next episode coming at you next Monday, conversations for yoga teachers. Until then, stay well, be healthy and have a great week. Namaste. Hi everybody, Karen Fabian here. And thank you so much for listening to that episode. Before you hang up, before you disconnect and move on with your day, I just want to let you know, if you're like a lot of the yoga teachers that I talk to, you're looking for ways to break down anatomy into its key parts so that you've got an organized approach for your studying. Well, I'm going to tell you an easy way that you can get hold, get a hold of the topics that you should be studying. And they're all reviewed in my Learn Anatomy Challenge. This is a free video series that you can access online, watch the videos, download the guide that goes with it, and you'll essentially have an outline to shape the studying that you're doing because it takes the broad subject of anatomy and breaks it down into just the key topics that you need to know. So in order to get to the Learn Anatomy Challenge free video series, you're gonna need to go to the special URL, the special webpage that holds these videos. So if you're driving right now, you're probably not gonna be able to obviously write this down. If you're able to write this down, I want you to just grab a pen and a piece of paper and just write down this URL. You can also send me a direct message on Instagram and I'll send you the link directly. If you're looking for the URL, you want to just go to it yourself. Uh, I'm going to give it to you right now. It is barebonesyoga.lpages.co forward slash learn anatomy challenge forward slash. And in between the words learn anatomy challenge are hyphens. So it's learn hyphen anatomy hyphen challenge and then forward slash. So again, I'll just read you the URL, barebonesyoga.lpages.co forward slash learn hyphen anatomy hyphen challenge forward slash. So that's the webpage that holds all of these videos. There's nine of them. Uh, and you can go through those and you can take notes. You can print out the uh, guide that goes with it. That would be uh, that will be a great companion guide to have in front of you as you're going through these videos. So again, if you have any trouble getting to it, just send me a direct message on Instagram and I'm happy to send you the link directly. Don't be on your own trying to study anatomy. Use this free video series to hone in on just the topics that you need to know. Good luck.